Hello, and welcome to Mother Daughter Earthcast, a show that will help you navigate the eco world and live a more colorful and conscious life. We'll inform, inspire, and embolden you. And most importantly, we'll have fun along the way to a more planet-caring lifestyle together. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Mother Daughter Earthcast. This is Mariana. And I'm Jenna. And today we will be chatting with Ron Mills, the owner of a Wild Birds Unlimited location or store location here in Dallas, in the East Dallas area. And my mom was already a fan of Ron's and now I'm definitely a fan too. He was awesome. I told you so. I know you did. (laughs) And we mentioned this in the podcast and so you'll hear it in just a few minutes, but For those of you who have been listening to several of our episodes now, you would have definitely heard my mom talk about her birds and about how this gentleman came to her house and did a full yard consultation on how to create a bird paradise. And thanks to that, we even created a whole course on Patreon about setting yourself up for success. Yes, we did. Full circle, this is Ron, and this is who we speak with today. I know he is just he he is so much fun. He has such a great way of explaining bird birds to you. Makes you start thinking like a bird. I know he does. <laughs> he makes you think bird. I mentioned that a lot in the podcast. I know. So Toby, heads up! I'm gonna come home, <laughs> and we're gonna have to discuss our bird situation at our house. Yes. We already have feeders, and to- I mentioned it too that Toby built a couple of awesome bird houses. But uh, Toby, I think we're gonna have to move one. We got work to do. <laughs> we got the now we're done with our prairie strip. Now we can move on to creating the perfect bird habitat. Yes. Yes, I just love what Ron has done for my yard and my knowledge of birding. I uh, was riding on my bike on the North Haven Trail one day, and I saw these parakeets. And I was like, I didn't know there were parakeets in Dallas and whatnot. And I took a photo and I went over to Ron's store the uh, at Wild Birds Unlimited and say I showed them the photo of the parakeets and they were like oh yeah those are the monk parakeets and they just knew everything and whenever I have birding questions I head off to Ron's store and they are just a wealth of knowledge I know he is so knowledgeable it's it's incredible so anyways for those of you Um, even not in the Dallas area, Wild Birds Unlimited has over 300 locations throughout the United States and Canada. And it's the original and largest franchise system of backyard bird feeding and nature specialty stores. So if you're in Dallas, definitely go check out Ron's store in the East Dallas area. And you can find the website or his website at www.com wbu.com slash East Dallas. That stands for Wild Birds Unlimited slash East Dallas. And they are also on Instagram at WBU Dallas East and on Facebook at Wild Birds Unlimited East Dallas. So that's all the ways you can find Ron and get in touch with him and his awesome team. Yes. So Mariana, Yes. Tell us what's been going on in your life. Um, 
mom's putting me on the spot. Oh, actually something big just <laughs> did just happen. Um, y'all might recall at the very beginning of us starting our podcast, I want to say what it was episode like nine. Mm-hmm. We had um, this gentleman on named David Millark, and he is the founder or co-founder of Archangel Ancient Tree Archive. And I have since you know, in the past handful of months have started consulting for them. And I'm working on some amazing projects. And if y'all haven't listened to the episode, definitely go back. It's fabulous. It's a fabulous episode. And to tell you a little bit about what David and his team at Archangel does, they have figured out how to clone and propagate the world's most ancient and champion trees. So of different species um they basically pick the biggest the strongest the oldest they clone that tree and preserve the genetics to be able to reintroduce in our reforestation efforts and i recently joined them on a northern california expedition to um go searching for ancient redwoods, coastal redwoods. We went to the Crescent City area and it's such a magical place. And it's right, it's just, you know, the amazing Pacific Ocean meets these ancient redwood forests. Mm. Yeah, it's, it doesn't get much better than that. Well, New Zealand is, (laughs) is pretty it rivals it but in the u.s it's definitely a magical place so i did that and then right on the heels of that toby and i got to take a fun road trip around colorado and see some friends and do some glamping and whitewater rafting which my mom was freaking out about y'all she was making us she was like checking in every two minutes have you gone yet have you gone yet have you gone yet (laughs) call me when you're done whitewater rafting i'm like mom it's fine it was it was great you should chat try it you know what? If it's the waters are not raging, I would be up for trying that out. They were not raging. It was a class four, no, no, class three rapids, technically. Um, but they were also explaining that the cl- class doesn't change. Um, it's That's kind of how they standardize the rapids. However, later in the season, because there's more snow melt, mm-hmm. those same rapids can be a little bit tougher because there's more water coming down that river. So it's my understanding, and anyone who's a whitewater rafter, please feel free to correct me, but that river will always be a class three rapids, even though at some points in the year it can be a little bit rougher than others. So Interesting. Yeah, but it was totally fine. At no point did I feel unsafe. I was definitely sore the next day because you are actively paddling, but it was so much fun. We had a blast and that was my first time doing whitewater rafting. So it was cool. Well, and I want to see your photos from your trip to California. Yeah. Well, you haven't seen them? No. Oh, I haven't given my mom the update. I'm in trouble here. (laughs) (laughs) Whoopsie. (laughs) I'm looking forward to seeing the photos. Yes. Yes. Um, You can see them. Uh, They're on my phone. We're also going to be posting a bunch on the Archangel um, Instagram account. Wonderful. Yeah. At Archangel Ancient Trees, I think. <laughs> I should know that, but I'll, I'll post it in the show notes. But yeah, we'll, I'll put a bunch of photos there. And probably I should pop some on our Instagram too. Yeah, yeah. that would be great. I think we people would, that. would like to see them. I know. I had so much fun. It was great. It was well, awesome. Good. So yeah, that's all I got.
Okie doke. Okay, well, without further ado, y'all. Oh, actually, before we go to Ron, head over to, to patreon.com forward slash mother daughter earth. If you would like to support us, there are definitely several ways that you can do that over there. And we really, really appreciate everyone's support. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And we also have bonus content for our Patreon members. And this episode's bonus is really cool. Ron, who came, as we mentioned, to do the consultation for my mom, kind of walks our members through what that consultation looks like and actually what he is focusing on when he does that. So there's lots of nuggets and tips and tricks that you can take away to implement in your own yard. So yes, yes, check us out on Patreon. And also, as always, we would really appreciate a rating and review. It just helps us get out there and just spread more eco happiness to more people. So now without further ado, please welcome Ron Mills with Wild Birds Unlimited East Dallas to Mother Daughter Earthcast. Welcome to Mother Daughter Earth, and we are thrilled to welcome Ron Mills with us today. And Ron Mills has one of the Dallas, well, the East Dallas franchise of Wild Birds Unlimited, and he is a wealth of knowledge about birds, birding, bird feeders, bird food, everything, <laughs> everything bird related. So welcome to our podcast, Ron. Well, thank you very much. Pleasure being here. Well, we're thrilled to have you. And first of all, why don't you tell us how you got interested in birds and how it turned into a your profession? I mean, what's your birding journey been? Well, I would say probably more of a retailer than a birder, first of all. So, because I do not say I'm a birder at all. These people who are birders are serious chase around the world, chase around the country, chase around the city to find a bird. So I am not that person at all. Okay. I've been on, I've been to White Rock Lake birding, you know, many times, but really one birding trip ever. Other stuff is more hiking and then with binoculars, you know what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. I see a paraluxia or something down in in Big Bend and you're like, whoa, that's cool. But I didn't go birding. I was hiking with friends and they were like, please come on. So (laughs) how did it start? Uh, 18 years ago, I was in the wireless industry. Okay. And I sold uh, products to the wireless companies, uh, specifically amplifiers that go up on the top of towers. Okay. And so um, the industry was, was winding down, so to speak, the construction of it. I don't know if you remember PCS versus cellular. Okay. I know. You won't. You, anyway. you lost me there, Ron. <laughs> yeah, I have to tell yeah, you. And yeah, mom, if it doesn't no. have a flower attached to it, then she's <laughs> definitely know. not going to exactly. track. <laughs> so that industry was coming to an end. Uh, they, you know, wrote us a check to say, you know, have a nice life. And I was uh, sitting outside with uh, my girlfriend at the time. And we were just thinking of what in the world are we going to do when we grow up? You know, and so um, she was in the restaurant industry. So we looked at or she said she had already looked at the uh, sandwich shops and stuff like that. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and I looked across the way there and with adult beverage in hand. And I said, that's a, that's a franchise. And she said, the fence. 
I said, no, the bird feeders. <laughs> I said, so I said, my mother bought that stuff at Wild Birds Unlimited in Tyler. Mm. And I said, because my aunt and uncle lived there. So she would go visit them from Texarkana. And so she bought all that, that setup for me. And so um, from that conversation, six months later, we owned this stop, this shop. Oh, wow. And so she, like I said, she was, uh, but that, um, so yeah, that was 17 plus years ago now. So we closed on Black Friday, uh, 2003. So 17 and a half years. That's awesome. So, but okay, I know you may, you you know, obviously a lot about birding and, and you have met people who identify as birds birders i guess <laughs> but yes, you are definitely. a bird enthusiast you can enthusiast, absolutely okay I, I, every morning i wake up to see what's at the feeders what's on the fountain uh yesterday morning a hummingbird had was dropping down into the fountain like that on the edge Aww. and just getting it and shaking and hitting Aww. it against. and so but oh i'm i'm an absolute enthusiast um i mean you can't be here and not be uh, or your mom's backyard, or even a front yard. You yeah, because we've done a lot of work on those things. So, yes. Yeah, but uh, well, you know, listeners, Ron, you may not know this, but we've actually mentioned you a few different times on the podcast. Oh yeah. Oh wow. Well, yes, thank you. We because, appreciate it. of course, you know, the help we can get <laughs> because we have done a couple episodes about birds. Well, actually, no, we just like talked about them in the introduction, and Mom mm-hmm. really just goes on and on and on and on and on about her birds. And we talked about how this gentleman came and did mm-hmm. a whole site survey and set her up for success. Uh-huh. Well, listeners, you're this is Ron. This is the man. So, <laughs> and in in for those of y'all who are on Patreon with us in the bonus we're going to chat with ron a little bit more in depth about exactly what those consultations look like and kind of what you look for so stay tuned for that um but in the meantime we're going to keep asking ron some questions um okay so for someone who honestly is kind of oblivious to birds because i will say i used to be one of those people birds just didn't really do it for me i wasn't really interested in them i actually have gotten attacked twice by a bird so i was actually kind of anti-bird for a while (laughs) i know i think i just it is once in mexico do you remember that Mm -hmm. mom yeah and then the second time in sydney australia so different ends of the earth but i think i was just walking underneath a tree during nesting time and i just got like attacked it was you have great you have great nesting hair i have yeah (laughs) (laughs) maybe they were coming from my hair i'm sure they were if i were a bird i'd want to nest in that that fluff of hair i know that is probably it and now i'm a huge bird fan we have we don't have as much of a setup as my mom at my house but we have feeders we actually took a little a nest that fell out of our tree to rogers wildlife a couple weeks ago we've seen blue jay fledglings learn to fly in our yard it's just been great um but for someone who is kind of oblivious to birds what would you say to them in terms of why it's so important to support birds with your garden and give them some extra food and water? Like why even care? I guess is the question. Well, you know, people care about a lot of things. Um, Obviously the care of children, the care of family, et cetera. Um, What it it started for me was uh, again, I was uh, working 
pretty much on the airplanes and coming in because I was a, a national accounts manager. And so I would come in usually on a Thursday afternoon and go to hit the back porch and just to relax because we had a waterfall out there and it was just so nice to enjoy that that peace and quiet and you know of three days on the road uh usually tuesday wednesday thursday on the road um but to come back and so when my mom bought bought the stuff for me and set it out there uh, i lived uh, on Cheryl park golf course and so lots of water lots of birds lots of open area mm-hmm. so you know everything from bluebirds from all the other kind of stuff but anyway so it was more of a relaxing, relaxing kind of thing for me. I mean, obviously, there's lots of importance to do for the birds, but really, backyard bird feeding is about you. It's mm-hmm. not about a bird. The bird will, the bird is going to make it with or without you. Let's be realistic. This is about you. This is bringing the birds into your yard to being part of that nature, and so it's absolutely wonderful. Now, as far as what we can do for the birds, it's absolutely the kill ratio is just astronomical. I think it's something like 50 million birds or something like that over 50 years. Or There are studies on this, uh, even on the, sadly, I don't know them. Uh, I should. Uh, even on the, on the WBU website, Save the Songbirds. Mm-hmm. And it gives you a complete uh, uh, lab of ornithology, uh, uh, just gone blank again, um, study on this about what's happened from uh collisions with buildings Mm -hmm. during migration at night even dallas is practicing lights out Mm. yes uh, which is absolutely phenomenal i didn't know they were doing that yes yeah that's awesome especially during Uh, migratory season they'll they'll say Uh, to turn off your night lights first of april through like was it first of june or something like the dates you know again this is just terrible that i don't know these things uh but the the national wildlife federation uh in working with the texas conservation uh, not association but something uh they they've been working with the city of dallas okay and and got them to to do this and it's just been absolutely wonderful you know Cat kills, sadly, mm-hmm. uh, are a huge uh, problem. You know, feral cats, etc. I mean, that's what cats do. Yeah, it's in their it's in their genetics. Mm-hmm. You know, it's for hunting. And so, while it not might not be a food source, but it is a hunting thing. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, we're very careful where there's uh, lots of underbrush and things like that. We want people to put their feeders out away from that so that there's no way to sneak up on the bird Mm. Uh, even though the cat may lay there and be perfectly still and right the bird wouldn't see it Uh, but you know at least you give them a fighting chance yeah uh, to to do that Uh, certain applications just can't do that you know but we do our best to make that happen Uh, but the importance for the birds i don't know how many hawks we would actually see in the city if it wasn't for bird feeders really but yeah because think about it they're you know with their food source being so kind of a buffet if you will for like a cooper's hawk for example you know and i don't like to think of it in that fashion but you know some of that nature we would never see it Mm -hmm. if it it weren't for the feeders you know and so it's just uh i've just loved every minute of it then it became kind of a sport you know kind of a (laughs) 
uh, I got this bird, this bird. How do I get this other bird? Well, I need another feeder, right? Ron, Obviously. you've rubbed off on my mom. I know, right? Well, you have to have a next feeder, right? And so so now I've got, you know, these other birds coming. You're like, okay, well, what's that? Oh, that's an orange-crowned warbler. Oh, my God, that's so awesome. I got to get those. How do I do it? You know, I want more of that. So now I got to get bark butter and a bark butter feeder. I'm going to smear bark butter on the side of one of my trees or something, you know, just for that experience. So it does. It comes down to... The love of the nature, first of all, it was the relaxation. Mm-hmm. Then it became the, whoa, you know, stunning look at it and the beauty of them. I mean, a red-headed woodpecker, not mm-hmm. red-bellied, but red-headed mm-hmm. is a stunning bird. I mean, red-bellied are beautiful too, but we see those every day. But when you see a solid red head with the black, the white, the black on his back, it's just, oh, it's just beautiful. It is just beautiful. And then so if you get into photography, which... So many people who are into nature photography did it because they wanted to just remember what they saw. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cause they didn't have the memory enough to say, Oh, it had a black beak and yellow legs or whatever. Couldn't remember that. So you took a picture of it and that's how the, some of those hobbyists began. So um, anyway, doing it for the birds back to your original question. Absolutely. Um, you can do that by uh, keeping them safe, keeping the strike, the anti-strike things on your windows, uh, keeping the cats away, keeping your feeders out, uh, out in the open. So there's, there's numerous ways, uh, that we can teach you how to do that here. I, but I know mom has so many questions she wants to ask, but I'm just wanted to follow up on your answer because she and I played tug of war on who actually gets to Uh ask things all the time, (laughs) but I just wanted to say how much I loved your answer and how you reframed it because so many times, and I do this all the time, so I'm speaking for myself, but so many times with environmentalism we're always like oh how are we helping how are we helping nature and it's all about you know what can we do to quote unquote save the planet and you just completely turned that around and said you know like the birds are going to be fine you know with or without you but this is actually for you this is to enjoy nature and bring nature into your space and that's the magic of it and so thank you for doing that and reminding us that you know this is for us too and having like cultivating ways to connect with nature and kind of foster that relationship. So long story short, I loved your answer. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. And I know during COVID, I watched my birds way too much. Way (laughs) too much. I mean, really, I couldn't see, couldn't be around people. So I would just stand at my window or sit at my desk Uh, where we are right now I just look over to my left and I get to see some of my bird feeders and oh my gosh and she has her binoculars hanging on the Uh door handle ready to go Uh to like peer out (laughs) sadly there's a pair upstairs downstairs on my desk by the kitchen table Uh I love it y'all are kindred spirit I kind of got it bad I understand you were talking about feeding the birds and whatnot can you tell us about bird seed and what kind of what should you be get feeding birds and what should you not be feeding birds i mean whenever i was a little girl i had no idea you weren't supposed to feed chocolate to dogs that that's not good for them so tell us about you know what you can and cannot feed birds well if you if you think about it it's a little bit like what do you feed yourself Okay, so if, uh, you know, and I take real quick, just uh, kind of a knot, or 
less it's less attractive to do this but when you go down to like white rock lake for example Mm -hmm. and you see the ducks and all that kind of fun stuff well yeah it's a lot of fun to throw out the corn you know that kind of thing but it it literally has no nutritional value for the birds right it's just Mm -hmm. purely a starch Mm -hmm. you know it's it's all it is and so uh you know perhaps some uh sunflower seeds now it might take a few minutes for them to get used to that Okay, I will say that. But, you know, perhaps something that's got a little bit of a protein, maybe some little bit of a fat, you know, would be uh, better for them um, to, to get them more nourished. I get it. It's fun. Throw in, And we have lots of people on a Sunday afternoon drop through for, you know, a seven pound bag of corn to head down to the lake. That's okay. You know, have fun with it. Uh, but with corn, make sure you, I'm telling it for your listeners here. Mm-hmm. Don't throw it in the water. Okay, because corn really absorbs everything. And so you don't want all the nastiness in the water in the corn. Mm. So just keep it on the land. Okay. Mm. And I know kids want to just chunk it. And that, <laughs> a handful's a handful's not going to hurt anything. But I'm just saying, try to keep it on the land. It works better. Good to know. Uh, as far as the birds are concerned, everyone has their, their favorite. Uh, every bird has their favorite seed. You know, and it's all about manipulation. There's no hands involved here. So it's got to be something they can pick up, manipulate with their bill and with their tongue to be able to open it and to get that uh, nutrition that their body is requiring. And so black oil sunflower is the most generic sunflower or generic bird food there is. Okay. And you can get it anywhere, uh, grocery store, Home Depot, us, for example. Obviously, there's going to be quality differences, I believe, in that. Ours doesn't sit around. Sunflower seeds dry out, okay, Mm -hmm. so that over time, and depending on which warehouse, et cetera, it's sitting in, um, it can dry out. And so the birds just simply won't eat it. And so you think, well, there was something wrong with that sunflower seed. No, it's just old. Mm -hmm. So, But with with our stuff, you can always count that it won't be sitting on the shelf more than two weeks here because we rotate it so quickly. We order every week. Mm -hmm. And so we're always rotating our seed through. So that's why we can always count on the good stuff. But some birds like millet. Uh, We've just had a a migration of painted buntings, indigo buntings came through. And boy, did our phones light up again. I mean, it was just something that was just absolutely wonderful. People posting on Birds of Texas on Facebook, all of their, uh, you know, all of their painted buntings and indigo buntings and everything else that was coming through. Absolutely amazing birds. They love millet, you know, so... Um, having it up in a tube feeder uh, with maybe perhaps a cage around it to keep the big birds out. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother has nesting indigos at her house uh, and the painted buntings showed up like eight of them at a time for two days. And I'm just so jealous. You know, <laughs> I want them at my house. Uh, but, uh, you know, woodpeckers, uh, blue jays, they're looking for something a little bit bigger. You know, they're a bigger bird, right? So um, they want uh, peanuts. They love the peanuts. Uh, specifically, Blue jays and crows, because they're both in the same family, they're cousins, mm. but blue jays and crows love peanuts in the shell. It's their favorite. Mm, really? Now come by. Now the crow is smart, so he'll look at the small one first and pop that back in his in his uh, crown and, 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 and keep getting the bigger one, then the bigger one, then the bigger one, until he literally can't put his beak down on the next peanut. So he may take four or five and then oh. fly away and go, go uh, cash them some or store them. And so blue jays do the same thing, only they'll pick up one, but they'll shake it. And so if they can only get access to one, they'll take it. But if there's multiples to choose from, they pick them up and shake them. I don't know if it's a weight thing. I have no idea, you know, what their criteria is, but then they'll take off. And um, 
So with my apologies to my former neighbor, I used to live near in uh, Plano, the the Blue Jays were coming and picking up about 10 different peanuts and putting them in his uh, gutter. (laughs) (laughs) I watched it. it. So they would take it and they'd grab it and, you know, feel them out and all that kind of stuff and take off, put it in the gutter and come back and get another one. Do it over and over and over. So I know the poor guy's thinking, what did I do in the rain when all of a sudden he's getting all these, you know, peanut shell casings all over the place? But um, oh well, small price yeah. to pay for the blue jay. You, you I think. Know, yeah, right. I find a lot of peanut shells in my yard, and I don't have a feeder, uh, Ron, that has that's for the uh, peanuts with shells. I have the right. the ones for the shelled Not peanuts. But mm-hmm. I've always been for the past few years. I was like, why am I finding all these <laughs> peanut shells in my yard? Now I know one of my neighbors must they're have up, that yeah. one of your neighbors has peanuts in the shell and they're they're up in your trees because your trees are so awesome right mm-hmm. all around the house to get that to eat and so they go up there and you know chill a little bit have a couple of peanuts and yeah they don't really care where they drop <laughs> now people will look and they'll say okay i had a peanut feeder won't the squirrels get it well blue jays have a memory okay so besides the crow crow's the smartest bird out there right biggest brain mm. right? they can make tools they can do all kinds of stuff so blue jays being their cousin are what I always thought of as the second smartest bird out there. Well, they'll figure out what time of day you fill your feeders. They'll be there five minutes before you. Really? And they will wait. Yeah, yeah. I heard dead silence one morning. Again, this back house back out in Plano, I would always throw three handfuls out on the sidewalk. That's why that bird was coming and going. And then I put three more in a feeder, a wreath feeder that I have. And the blue jays know you're coming. The squirrels can smell it, but they don't react as quickly as the blue jays and the crows do. Mm. So, but I went out one morning, it was just dead silent out there. Just, I'm just eerie, like, you know, Stephen King, you know, looking (laughs) around like, why is it so quiet out here? So unusual. And just one crow went, and I looked and about half a block away, top of a tree, across the street, one crow let everybody know. And all this man within five minutes the blue jays and the crows were everywhere oh, wow. so they let they let bob do be the watch yeah. you know, the, while they went and did something to do something else that morning but uh, but yeah it was just one cause all it took and they were all back uh to eat to have their morning breakfast so but they're smart they're very smart and they say that if you feed the like peanuts in the shell or you're feeding the crows every day that they will bring you something oh. okay now, I don't know if it's just happenstance or what, but so far I have found the cap of a uh, Sharpie, an entire Sharpie, and also an entire Sharpie, a uh, piece of chalk, and there was one more thing, and I can't remember what it is. But anyway, so I keep all of that outside on the table uh, just to remind myself that, you know, to whatever you find over in that area where I feed peanuts, I keep that. And I just uh, just to see if indeed that's the case. And I'm hoping they'll bring me something shiny someday. That yes. Nice. <laughs> oh, my know? gosh. I love that. And just to clarify, for the shell, I mean, the peanuts with the shells, yeah. do you just spread them on the ground? You can. You can. Put them in a tray. I've got a tray feeder at home now. I do still put some on the ground. The crows seem to like the ground. They feel very safe there. Okay. And so, and for the squirrels, I, I hook them up. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I know a guy that owns a bird store, so, or a bird store, so. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I'm not. 
the squirrels can get some too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got them blocked on all the other feeders. They can't get on it. So I can <laughs> I thought some give I'll, a little love. Mariana wants to ask you something, but I'm I just you jump in, the, jump I just in. Just gave her the hairy eyeball. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. You were talking about squirrels, and a lo- so many people get agitated by yeah. squirrels. Oh, I mean, I've a lot of my customers are agitated by bur- uh, by squirrels in their you know what they do with. Well, they don't do that much to the plants. But anyway, I live in harmony with my squirrels. And I have learned that my bird feeders that don't have that protector on it. Baffle, yeah. Yeah, the baffle. That Mm -hmm. I just put safflower seed in those and the squirrels don't uh, like them. But talk to us about embracing the squirrels and caring for them and not disliking them i mean they're they're, i think they're cute i love that my mom's like cornering you into the right answer ron (laughs) Ron. Ron, tell us how we should all like the squirrels how about ron tell us your thoughts on squirrels (laughs) but he thinks like i do i'm sure no i'm sorry you know, for for entertainment's sake, I mean, there's nothing better. I mean, they are funny. They I know. are amazing. I got Olympians, you know, at my house, <laughs> so they they can leap tall buildings. It's amazing. Um, I'm not a fan of the squirrels on the feeder. You can have you can feed squirrels. That's okay. That's fine. Uh, you know, stuff on the ground, even ground feeders. You know, we've got them. Uh, even the ones out in your front yard, you know, they can get in those. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we can put something in there for them. Uh, and it's fine. Uh, sunflower seeds are their favorite. Okay. Uh, people want to put corn out for them. And corn is last resort. Okay. They'll eat it. But they got taste buds. Okay. Mm-hmm. Birds tend not to. But, you know, squirrels do. So, corn is kind of like spam. You know, mm. during the cold, you know, you would definitely say, well, that's the last thing in the pantry and I ain't going outside, so I'm going to fry it up and eat it, right? Well, that's kind of what corn is, right? Okay. So, but put sunflower seeds out there and you have a friend forever. Uh, my mother has probably three squirrel feeders that she's got, you know, strapped to the trees. and Really? Um, yeah, yeah. And they fill them up every day with sunflower seeds and... The uh, they've had a problem with raccoons coming up the trees and lifting the plastic out. Oh, wow. And so there's a front piece that has plastic on it, and they just lift it out, and all the seed comes pouring to the ground. And so she's been having a running war with raccoons at her house. But, um, and why did you say so? Some people just it's just a love hate with the squirrels, and so, um, you know, that's that's understandable. They can do they can do damage to some bird feeders, some awfully expensive bird feeders, mm. uh, you know, that they're chewing up. Fortunately, with the, most of our stuff, it's lifetime warranted. So, you know, squirrel chews it up. Bring it on back in. We'll fix it for you. Okay. So that's why I was going to ask, why did you say you're not a huge fan of the squirrels on the feeders? It's because they can right, damage, the damage it. Okay. It's the damage that's done. And, you know, a cardinal is not going to fight for space at a feeder. Mm-hmm. You know, and so we want to put something out there that they can get to. They're very fairly shy birds. And so uh, we want to make sure that they can get to something specifically for them. And they like sunflower and safflower, you know. And so uh, while we're doing the safflower um, at your mom's house, and that's that's a great solution. Uh, but the yeah, some people like them. 
you know, others don't understand, but just not on my feeders. I'll, they can eat all, everything on the ground. I'm all for it. I got no mess everywhere. I've got, you know, peanuts on the ground that I throw out. So. Yeah. I'm okay with it. You got to draw the line somewhere, well, Ron. I, I don't yeah, want. just not on the feeders. Yeah. I don't. Well, you don't want bird feed, I mean, squirrels on your feeders. I don't want squirrels in my greenhouse. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Oh, That's yeah. Yeah. That, <laughs> I've seen your greenhouse. I understand. Yeah. yeah. That that yeah, would no. really upset me. It's, yeah. It's interesting that you say that cardinals are shy birds because, and I'm I don't know much about specific behaviors of birds, but we have been observing birds in our yard recently, as I was mentioning, and when the blue jay mom and dad were protecting their little fledgling who was learning how to fly we noticed that this cardinal kept chasing them like really aggressively like and and we did a little bit of research and what the what we found out was that it's typically the other way around it's typically blue jays bullying other birds but i'm telling you time and time again this cardinal kept chasing them away from the tree and just yesterday we saw a cardinal's nest in our tree ah, so we were go. like that's, that's why. why that's mm-hmm. why so we've gotten to yeah. observe some of the cardinal blue jay interactions in our yard and that's been super fun um okay so ron for people who are wanting to get started they're listening yeah. to you they're like wow this guy's super cool he's getting us into the birds here what are some simple like top three first steps that you recommend for people who are just wanting to kind of dip their toes into the bird enthusiast world? Get some seed that you can, that's compatible with just, I mean, the ground is the ultimate bird feeder, right? So that's where all seed ends up Mm -hmm. sooner or later, right? In the natural place for it. So I would say, uh, deluxe blend, uh, no mess DP. Some of the stuff that we have here in the store is, is great ground feeder food. Uh, cardinals are ground feeders. Uh, all the sparrows, doves, uh, are all ground feeders. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have zero trees, uh, you're always going to have sparrows, doves, and cardinals, right? Mm-hmm. Cause it's just ground feeding birds. Anything that is a natural straight down kind mm-hmm. of thing. Uh, so you can always just get started there. Your first bird feeder should always be something with a tray, something that's flat, a tube feeder with a small tray on the bottom of it, feeders with large perches on there, perhaps squared off perches on some of our squirrel-proof feeders. Um, You know, those things are how the birds feed. One feeder, always use a blend. Mm -hmm. Let the biggest bird win. Okay? Anyone can eat from the tray. Like I said, anyone can eat from the ground. But then we have, so we have perching birds, which we would call that, and we have clinging our mm. birds that get their food from the side of a tree. So blue jays, woodpeckers, titmice, chickadees, nuthatches, these birds can actually eat from stuff that's stuck behind the bark of trees. Mm-hmm. So you'll see them hunting up and down the trees for food. Okay. So now we have perching birds and clinging birds. That is the entire repertoire of seed eating birds. Okay. Simple. So we have a tray over here with safflower in it. Mm-hmm. We have a, a vertical feeder with peanuts in it. Anything that can't cling likes safflower. Anything that doesn't like safflower can cling to the side of the feeder. Mm. They're perfectly complementary. So two two feeders. I'm a minimalist on feeders. It doesn't seem like it. I really <laughs> understand. I mean, we have hundreds to choose from, but really uh, keeping it minimal keeps you coming to the store yeah right it keeps it interesting so if you do one bag of seed in seven feeders or you know 
that's fun. Yeah. But I think you'll get bored yeah. from that. And so you can start seeing the differences. So now we've gone from our tray feeder with a blend. Now we're doing two feeders. We've got a peanut feeder. So we put safflower there, peanuts there. Now we're moving on to what? Suet, right? Mm-hmm. It's the next, next thing. So each one of these items as we go is going to have less birds coming to it. Mm. Right? That's why we don't start with a suet feeder. It'll yeah. get really boring really quick and you never come back. Okay. So we want the one that gets the most birds first then second, and then third. So we move through the feeders. Um, so, uh, for example, Oriole feeders, okay? They're really great for one month of the year, and that's August. <laughs> I mean, you put Oriole feeders out for that southern migration of Orioles coming on from Wisconsin. They have been fed grape jelly and oranges all summer long. They are in love with it, and anything they can get on the way back, on the way south, is definitely on their path. Mm. I had two female Baltimore Orioles hit, hit in the water last year. And I couldn't figure out why they were coming in my yard because I didn't have anything out for them. But I live in, in Arlington and the grapevines over there are mm. insane. They yeah. grow all over fences of trees, you name it. Well, the only thing we could figure is the Orioles were coming after the grapes. The grapes, yeah. And coming to my fountain for water and going back, back and forth. So I saw the male on one weekend, and then the following weekend was two females that made about Aww. a dozen trips to and from the fountain. And so I was just like, oh, my God, I can't leave the window. I'm a bird enthusiast again. <laughs> Something new in the yard, and I'm just like, oh, my God. <laughs> so, so yeah, you, you we just do it by start with the feeder type and think logically. Mm-hmm. Okay, Something with a flat surface, so a tray on a feeder or a tray feeder or just the ground. Yep. Okay. That's how to get started. That's the best way. And you just mentioned something that's so important that I think a lot of people don't think about is a water source. Water source. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. You know, uh, National Wildlife Federation, I'll give them a little plug there because they always say uh, um, food, water, um, a, a place to raise their young. So houses mm-hmm. and uh, shelter. So trees, bushes, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So four things, and you can get your yard certified by yeah. National Wildlife Federation. Yeah. And so it is the coolest little program ever. Wonderful. So anyway, just a thought. And so we can play together on this one. And so you take <laughs> care of the, the shelter, and I'll take care of the food yeah. and the water. Yes. <laughs> so you just mentioned birdhouses. And yeah. that's something I've never done. And tell us about should we be providing bird houses or or if we just have lots of shrubs i mean i find bird nests in my shrubs mm-hmm. and so tell us about bird houses well and my husband built two and they have yet to be used <laughs> and i don't know if we <laughs> built the wrong we he did a lot of research um but yeah <laughs> they look cute <laughs> And I will say this, uh, two different houses, one in Garland and now over in Arlington. And each time it took three years for the birds to use my birdhouse. Okay. I will say, yeah, absolutely. It ha- that's happened. Now, this this year, I was fortunate enough to get a Bewix wren. Now, when we know Carolina wrens are pretty common, but Bewix wren was very cool, a way different song. And it just posed every time it sang for me. And oh. I was I fell in love with them. Well, uh, my handyman had to come do some work at the house. Okay, so he had to he had to take down the birdhouse, and I'm like, oh, I just got this bird in it. No, oh no! no. no. We well, put it on. He put it on my charcoal grill. 
and did his work and getting parts, et cetera, took, you know, a couple of weeks to get the whole thing done. And so he said, you want me to put the birdhouse back up? I said, no, I think she's still using it. And it was, so it sat on my grill. And then just uh, this past weekend, I saw three little wrens following mom around getting suet out of the suet feeder. And so I'm just like, yay, success. Perfect. But in three years, three years in both places is what it took to actually get birds to use the house. It has to be consistent. It has to be secure. Okay, so it's not moving around. Um, I know a lot of people put decorative houses and just hang them on a hook, right? Well, if the house does this, you wouldn't want to live in it. Yeah. It goes like this. Now, it can swing one way, kind of like a branch. Mm. You know, branches move, so it's Mm -hmm. okay. It can go like this, but it can't do this. can't be circular. What if it's placed really close to one of the feeders? Is that a problem? I would probably space that away from Mm, it. So maybe that's one of our issues. Yeah, that's more of a... uh, predators are nearby yeah and those blue jays that you talked about they can be kind of mean to nests yeah so you want to try to keep that separate uh all of mine are at least 20 feet away from feeders easily Hmm. yeah okay that might be that we might have to move one our one of our houses because it looks really cute next to the feeder but now that you're making me think bird i'm like hmm, i don't know if that's actually working (laughs) right and how do you I, how do you get people started identifying birds? I know that that's been uh, that's been an issue for me. You know, it's like, oh, there's one of my friends again, but I don't know that friend's name. And I'm trying to. I have a little guide just right uh, on my desk. But mm-hmm. um, how, how do you, how what ways do you recommend that people learn how to identify their birds? You know, the simplest thing, uh, you know, two plus two flashcards, right? Mm. It's the same thing, real way we learned it way back when. And it's the same thing. So the little flashcard that we have, uh, it's a fold out that you can stick in your back pocket. It can take a birdie. I mean, so uh, it is a great source. Um, I don't know, it's like eight or nine dollars, whatever. And you can have that. It's laminated. So you can actually get an oil pen and, you know, circle what, you, what you've seen in your yard. Uh, but it makes it very quick. Uh, especially the ones of north texas there you go that's the one birds of north texas (laughs) ron you you got a fan over here i keep trying to tell you you just open it up now some of the harder things you it's not all inclusive okay (laughs) it can be very difficult when you're trying to when you really start to try to identify the difference between perhaps a song and a harris sparrow you know so that's not what that guide's for Mm -hmm. that guide is to go what is that yeah. Know, here's a cardinal. Yeah, <laughs> cardinal. Hey, it's a female cardinal. What do you know? I didn't know they were brown with this beautiful top. Yes. You know. And so, but I would say that's probably the best way. But, you know, any love of nature, uh, you tend to start just learning it. Uh, you won't believe how many people call blue jays bluebirds and redbirds. <laughs> you know, it's just... <laughs> um, so, you'll have to study the reason why it's called a northern cardinal. Mm, we'll put that on the list. Mom, that's on your list. Yep. You're the bird gal. <laughs> seven, there are seven cardinals in the Americas. Really? Seven, north, central to south. South. And so I should say north, central to south. Seven cardinals. Ours is the more northern. So it's the northern cardinal. Huh. So, yeah, you go down to Central America and South America, there'll be others. But oh, anyway, nice. that's just a little trivia for you. I love that. Yes. Yep. That's why it's called a northern cardinal. 
we are gonna have to start wrapping it up mom um but i do wanna i wanna touch on one final question before mom asks her question that she asks all of our guests but it's about hummingbirds and hummingbird feeders and i i think this is my personal uninformed bias but i want you to inform us i feel as though it's better to plant native plants that hummingbirds like as opposed to giving them fake sugar i don't know i feel strange about fake sugar as opposed to seeds that you feed birds and that might be my i know that's probably an uninformed bias so please tell us about hummingbirds and hummingbird feeders specifically and about that mixture and what's good and is there something that's not good to feed them and are they okay with just normal sugar and let me just say one thing you're not really wanting to say fake sugar right you're wanting to say fake nectar nectar yes exactly fake made out of sugar like a (laughs) man-made nectar out of sugar (laughs) i'm not thinking splenda here (laughs) but (laughs) thanks mom all right so uh i love plants in the yard i think that's a phenomenal way to draw hummingbirds i mean when the bird is flying by your yard are you going to see a you know a a three foot tall salvia that has, you know, yes. blown out to five foot wide. Yeah, you're going to see that a lot faster than some small hummingbird feeder tucked up under the eave of your house. Yeah. Of course. Of course you're going to see that. That's going to draw them to the yard. The hummingbird feeder draws them to the window. Mm. Okay. Oh. So they're going to stop to find whatever's getting their attention in the yard. And that could be the, you know, the, the Garanetica, it could be the, Um, any of the salvia families, Turk's cap, you name it, all the ones that they absolutely love, acanthus, you know, all the other wonderful plants for hummingbirds. Um, But that didn't get them to the window. Now, this bird is, what, three inches tall, two and a half, Mm -hmm. three inches tall. These contacts are not going to let me see that bird out there (sighs) on the salvia. Okay, it's not going to happen. So bringing them up to the window while I'm working, you know, from home is just absolutely outstanding. I've got people that have hummingbird feeders on suction cup to the window now. Mm. And they're just like, I can't get any work done in the, (laughs) you know, the latter part of July all the way through the end of September because the hummingbirds are all over this thing. And they're so fascinating Mm -hmm. uh, to watch. So uh, that's one thing. So that's the difference between the plant and the feeder and their their objective mm-hmm. is okay. know, what they're doing okay um a four to one mixture of white table sugar to water is the closest emulation to the plant that they're eating from okay okay as far as that water to sugar ratio that sweetness that they're getting that is able to metabolize in their bodies for energy all right they okay. also in the spring like when they just came came through in March, guess what? There was no salvia. There was no church cap. Mm-mm. There was nothing to eat. All that stuff died to the ground. Yeah. yeah. So even the betony, which is the, I guess, the earliest blooming plant for hummingbirds, none. Yeah. So the, putting the feeders out was critical to the, to the birds to even get back to the north where they go for nesting. Got it. So my feeder out, I had one on March the 22nd. A bird hit the feeder only for a day or two. That was all right. That's all it needed. It kept moving. So that was the migratory pattern going north. Now, coming south, 
is when we see the the vast majority of our hummingbirds. Now that'll be uh, from about mid July. We say July fourth because everybody can remember that, but really it's more fifteenth ish mm-hmm. through the end of September. That's our season. So the birds like a beeline north to get to their favorite hunting grounds and their favorite nesting grounds but then they kind of lollygag coming south right fattening up fattening up before hopping the gulf Mm. so um so that's the part where we get to see them the most and so i would say if you're not into the feed versus reward thing the reward being you get to see the bird if if you're high maintenance on that aspect of it i'd probably say don't worry about the northern migration you know hit them on the south now this year being different that was the one yeah, different thing. They needed to, okay. Uh, it was an extraordinary winter. Yeah, so, it was. Yeah. That was a good word for it. Extraordinary. <laughs> extraordinary. Okay. Minus three. Yeah. We're not made for that. Here. No, yeah. no. Well, you've changed your, my mind on hummingbird feeders. you changed well, my mind. Uh, get Thank one, you, put it by the window and enjoy. And yes. just think of me every time you see one. I have one. I just haven't done anything with it. Um, In fact, I've given you mine. Can I have one back? Mm, (laughs) (laughs) Takesies. No takesies, backsies. Um, Actually, all of my feeders were hand-me-downs from mom and one of her friends. And one one of my customers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's great. And I wanted to say that when I lived in Tampico, Mexico, I had this dear friend who had a Japanese maple in a courtyard in the middle of his house. And during, I guess it'd be the winter, this one little hummingbird would sleep on this one uh, limb of his Japanese maple. Every night would come and sleep there and you could just, you know, we could walk up to it and look at it through the window. And sure. it was just, sure. um, it's they a almost, precious they memory. Comatose. Yeah. The, the bird almost goes comatose overnight to slow its heart. Oh. And so it, you can, yeah. I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt the end of your, your story there, but they, but yeah, even going down to see them when they migrate north and come across the Gulf, down on like High Island and places just to the east of near Beaumont, uh-huh. uh, along the coast, you can just see them just two feet away because they have just flown across what is huge distance and they are shut down. They are done. And so, yeah, they're just most like you can get right a foot away from them. That's amazing. And take pictures and do everything else. Yeah. So, yeah, but it's just, you're right, though. That bird was was sleeping, and it was. It was just comatose. It's gone. That's amazing. Great time to take pictures. Yeah. Okay, Mom, I'm the timekeeper. Got to wrap it up, unfortunately, with your last question before we let Ron go. Okay, Ron, the question we ask everyone, what do you think is the most important thing each individual can do to help reverse global warming and climate change? (laughs) <laughs> not a subject I am first well versed in. Uh, and if you don't have an answer, that's fine. The last yeah. person we asked said, whoa, that question singed my nose hairs. <laughs> <laughs> Some way to put it. Uh, well, I definitely was not ready for that one. Um, the, I am, I am a huge solar power fan. Yeah. And yeah. so, uh, our new store, uh, our full intent is to have a full array of solar panels on top of that thing nice. uh, so that we can start to reduce the, the carbon footprint of our store. Uh, we have changed, when I first got here, we had halogen light bulbs, okay? Mm-hmm. And it was burning up in this store. We've since, you know, 
newest air conditioners, highest SEER rating. Uh, all of these are now LEDs, uh, even including this one above my head here. Um, so I would say that each person can do their part, even on a retail scale, mm-hmm. uh, where I've had an $1,800 electric bill. So you can imagine what the juice I was using. Yeah. And yeah. so down to now, you know, call it three or 400 a month. Now oh, for a nice. retail store that on the south end of a shopping center is definitely gets uh, quite a lot of heat. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I think everybody can do, I can think they can all do their part, even if it's yeah. just, hey, one light bulb from Home Depot. Yeah. Get that one LED light bulb. I don't think you can buy an incandescent anymore. Which is a you good know, thing. So, <laughs> I know, right? And so, yeah. And so, yeah, it just comes down to uh, doing your part. If it's just one little part at a time. Yeah, I love it. So we get, that's a lot of the answers that we get, Ron. So you were prepared. See, you even know carbon footprint. You totally blind on this one. And by the way, I used to be uh, in the solar world and I designed and and sold systems, both residential and commercial. So if you need a friend to help you like review (laughs) proposals or anything and give you an insider's tip, I'm happy to do that. I just might take you up. Yeah, please do. Please do. Well, Ron, before we let you go, um, we would love for you to tell people how to connect with you and your your store. And I know you we were chatting earlier, you have Instagram at WBU Dallas East. But tell us how else people can connect with y'all. Facebook, obviously, um, at um, Wild Birds Unlimited of East Dallas. You can look us up that way. Um, our you know, phone number here, of course, with any questions that you have, 214-821-7400. Uh, our staff here is well-versed in pretty much all bird questions. Yes, and they so, are. You know, we'll be glad to uh, try to help any way we can. Awesome. And for our listeners, the Wild Birds Unlimited website is wbu.com and Ron's location specifically is wbu.com slash East Dallas. So you can also go there for all the info. Ron, thank you again so much. After talking to our guests, I become like a fan of a whole new topic. I've converted a whole area of my yard into a Blackland Prairie strip. We've done like all these things. And now I think I'm going to go home and add more bird feeders and become more of a bird enthusiast than we all I already was. So thank you so much for your time. Well, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your time and knowledge and expertise with us. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Bye.